Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. Um, I, I just want to share that that, that that video is about five years old, and I watched it again the other day, and I can't help but get misty-eyed um, every time I watch that. My name's Terry. I'm one of the elders here at Reach. Um, it's been about four or five years since I did this, so I'm going to uh, take about five or six minutes just to talk about the military and our veterans, and then I'm going to change hats after that. But um, before I get started, can anyone who has served or is currently serving in our military please stand up? If we can give them a round of applause. Can you throw that picture? Okay. So this what I was hunting for a picture that actually had my dad, who's near in 90. It was the same photo shoot at Christmas. Um, but I had a picture of my brother with me, and then it was my dad, my three children, and the last time that I've uh, put on a uniform. Um, he was a test pilot, so I grew up in a military family, um, and both my uh, all three of my children are currently in, along with uh, my son-in-law. So you could say we've, I think we have right now, like 72 years of living experience uh, in the military. Serving in the military is one of the few jobs I made them do push-ups. That was what I was doing. Uh, serving in the military is one of the few jobs where joining is similar to signing a blank check. You have no idea what you're really paying until the check is cashed. You become the property of the United States government to use as it sees fit. I retired from the Army in April 2011 after serving both as an enlisted soldier and an officer for 26 years. The Army gave me an opportunity to live in five countries, seven states, and practice packing my family's belongings nine times. Leslie and I spent nearly six years apart during my 21 years on active duty. And although at times it seemed like a sacrifice, I was constantly comforted knowing I was in God's will. It was where he wanted me to be, and I felt that um, all the time. I have been thanked on multiple occasions for my service um, and watched the last time I was visiting my daughter in Montgomery. um, Two young boys come up to our table and uh, thank her separately, which I thought was really neat. Despite the frequency of being thanked, Um, I am typically caught off guard and just say thank you. What I feel in my heart and wish was on my tongue when this happens is that it has been my honor to serve our great nation. But it is not the soldier that deserves the thanks. We are doing our jobs with our brothers and sisters in arms. It is our families and spouses that live with uncertainty on a daily basis. Our spouses deserve the ultimate gratitude for holding down the home front and serving as both a mother and a father to our children for extended periods of time. Every veteran has a unique and often entertaining story about their service. Uh, When you have the opportunity, take some time to ask a veteran about theirs. 
It can be an enlightening experience. For those of you that haven't served and don't have close friends or family that have served, I thought it would be worthwhile to share some of what life is like serving in the military. In my retirement speech now many years ago, I discussed things that I had done or seen in the Army, most in chronological order over the 26 years I served. Some I remember with anger, some with pride, and others just because. This is part of my story. I have stood shoulder to shoulder with fellow guardsmen in full riot gear around the Martin Luther King Center in Atlanta, Georgia, protecting white supremacists and having to stand and watch as they burned our flag. I have spent countless nights in the dark, in the woods or sand, cold, wet, or both. I have stood on the snow-covered peaks of the German Alps and looked out across a beautiful country that has prospered under the protection American soldiers have provided. I have driven a car at 155 miles down the Audubon and lived. I have held my two-month-old baby girl in front of a camera to get a passport photo so she could come home to America. I have amazed myself after finally being able to hold a hover after countless hours of training. I have been offered dried squid on a stick and walked through open air markets in South Korea where dog carcasses are hung up for sale. I have flown over the demilitarized zone and stared down in wonder as Republic of Korea or rock soldiers practice martial arts in snow-covered courtyards with no shirts on in 20-degree weather. I have been temporarily disoriented on multiple occasions, both on the ground and in the air. In case you didn't know it, aviators are never lost, just temporarily disoriented. I have questioned what I could have done different after mourning the loss of one of my soldiers on nine occasions. I have flown over the fire and gulf mountains of Montana and hoisted injured firefighters onto my aircraft. I have landed on rural roads and loaded car accident victims into the aircraft and flown them to hospitals knowing they would not survive. I have marched 32 miles across the Mojave Desert in California to take Christmas presents to a veteran's home. I have seen pride shine through the eyes of my soldiers as well-deserved medals were pinned on their chest. I have flown at 50 feet over the Iraqi desert at 175 miles an hour. I have watched as mangled and dying soldiers were loaded on my aircraft. I have heard the distinct whistle of rockets and mortars that are danger close. I have watched tracer rounds light up the night sky searching for a target. That target was me. I have felt pride in myself, my crew, and my company for saving the lives of thousands of soldiers, Marines, contractors, and Iraqis, both friend and foe. I have kayaked around the Naval Academy and swam in the hot water off the coast of Maryland in August when you have an 85% chance of getting stung by a jellyfish and got stung by a jellyfish. I have driven through the training area at Fort Bragg more times than I can count, watched hundreds of specks drop from the aircraft, from aircraft and blossom into paratroopers filling the sky. The feeling you get in your gut can't be expressed in words. I have welcomed soldiers returning from war in wheelchairs that flinch at the slightest touch or noise, and then shaken their hands and patted them on the back as they walked out my door with their head held high, departing for their next assignment. I have had the distinct pleasure of entertaining the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the Secretary of the Army, and a host of congressmen and general officers. I have watched, I have listened, and I have learned what I think it takes to be a leader 
and I owe that to my military service. A quick word of caution when you engage a veteran about their story. It can be difficult at times to separate fact from fiction. The difference between a fairy tale and a war story is a fairy tale begins with once upon a time. A war story begins with an emphatic, this is no bull. Please join me in prayer uh, for our veterans this weekend. Father God, during this holiday weekend as we celebrate Veterans Day, I want to lift up in prayer all the veterans here at home and those serving overseas, individuals that were or are willing to make the ultimate sacrifice if required for the values and belief our nation was founded on. I pray for those that are suffering today and their families with wounds both seen and unseen. May they feel your loving arms and strength wrap around them and feel the peace that only you can provide. It is in your holy name we pray. Amen. So, this is normally a point in the service um, where I go sit down. The last time I preached a sermon, uh, I had to go back on the REACH website. It was the 25th of June of 2021. I spoke on the need and importance of a church family. I wanted to share a few things that have happened in our lives since I preached that, that Sunday. Uh, we have moved twice. We have been living in an 8 by 27 foot travel trailer since February of 2022 while actively building our future home. The organization that I work for was purchased by a larger company. That, along with COVID and the after effects of the virus on our society, if you don't know what that is, just go drive on our roads and see how people act. Um, has created the most challenging leadership environment I've worked in during my 36-year career of leading teams. Uh, my father's health has continued to decline to a point where I had to take over a lot of their affairs and all of their financial affairs. Leslie decided to open up an 8-inch gash on her shin to the bone with an angle grinder. Um, and I uh, tore an abdominal wall muscle and then our son was in a motorcycle accident um, and went to the OR nine times um, during his 30-day stay in the hospital, which ultimately led, uh, led to him having a below-the-knee amputation. Yes, these things are all part of life. Um, our faith kept us grounded during these challenges, knowing that God was in control. But I share these things because we were able to endure so much more easily due to the prayers, love, and support of our church family our REACH family. If you still don't understand what a church family can mean in your life, I would ask you to go on the REACH website and listen to that message from uh, June of 2021. At the end of my last sermon, I made a few statements about the threat that we as Christians pose on our current society. Christian values and beliefs are a threat to a greed-based system where money and possessions are prioritized above all else. Christian values and belief in Jesus as the Messiah and the only path to God is a threat to a secular belief system where everyone is their own God and all religions are good or justified based on individual preference. Christian belief in the one truth is a threat to every individual having their own truth. Why do I repeat these statements today? Because our method of reaching those that view us as a threat is through our actions demonstrating the love of Christ when we interact with and serve in our communities. So, 
That was the prelude to my message, the message that God put on my heart today. So please join me in prayer before we hear God's word. Father God, I am your son, made in your image. As I stand before this body of Christ today, feeling unworthy to share your word, you know my heart. I pray that the words I speak today are used by you to touch the heart of each individual in this room. You know what each individual in this room needs to hear and how they need to hear it to make an impact on their life. I do not. I pray that you speak through my imperfect words today, for through you, all things are possible. It is in your holy name I pray. Amen. So I titled today's message, Expectations and Preparation uh, for a Christian Retirement. As I am nearing for uh, a second time in my career, or as I'm nearing retirement for a second time in my career, I've spent a fair amount of time asking the Lord for discernment. Discernment on what is next. What has he prepared me for? Are the actions I plan to take for his kingdom from him? Or are they my own desires? What big rocks will go in my life jar when my regular vocation or my current job is not devouring 50 to 60 hours of my life each week? On the 19th of May uh, in 2000, John Piper stood on a stage overlooking a sea of college students and preached on making a difference. He told a story about two of his church members that had died recently in a vehicle accident while serving in Cameroon, where they were preaching the gospel to the sick and poor. These two church members were near the age of 80, one a doctor, one a nurse. And they had spent their latter years serving in some of the most unreached places on earth. His church leadership team was devastated at what they considered a tragedy. He asked the audience if they thought this was a tragedy. And after a brief pause, voice trembling, he said, this is not a tragedy. As he reached for a small book and held it up to the audience with lips trembling, he stated, this is a tragedy. It was an article from the February 1988 Reader's Digest entitled, Start Now, Retire Early. For those of you that have not read or heard of the Reader's Digest, its stated mission is to share trusted advice and stories to help you and your family enjoy healthy, wealthy, and wise lives. The story from the article he shared went something like this. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast. He was 59. She was 51. They lived in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruised the water on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. John Piper reiterated again that this is a tragedy and not two elderly ladies serving God, making a difference until their last breath. The original, American dream, the original American dream was a dream of equality, justice, and democracy for our nation. The warped meaning of that term in our society today is individual wealth. Make lots of money and retire early to a life of luxury with no responsibility to our society as a whole. The danger of falling prey to how our American society views retirement is that it becomes about self-satisfaction or serving yourself above all others and overindulgence. The Bible has very little to say about retirement. The term retirement is not used. It is more a changing of duties in a Christian's walk with Christ. 
There's one specific passage that talks about the duties of the Levites based on their age. In the Old Testament, the Levites were the tribes selected by God to manage the worship places, the temples of the Israelites. In Numbers 8, 23 through 26, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This applies to the Levites. From 25 years old and upward, they shall come to duty in the service of the tent of the meeting. And from the age of 50 years, they shall withdraw from the duty of the service and serve no more. They minister to their brothers in the tent of the meeting by keeping guard. But they shall do no service. Thus shall you do to the Levites in assigning their duties. So when a Levite male turned 50, which is about 70, comparative for how long we live now, they were no longer allowed to serve as active priests in the services. But God did not direct them to go home, sit on the couch, and eat bonbons. No, he was to stand guard at the temple and continue to have an active role in serving the community and God's kingdom. From this passage, we can see that there is a shift in expectations of what is required in God's kingdom at a certain age. An acknowledgement that as we grow older, we can't continue at the same level of intensity of work through the end of our life compared to when we were younger. For everything, there is a season. The Bible articulates multiple passages about our actions and expectations as we prepare and move towards this change in season in the course of our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 11, and 12, as Paul describes a life pleasing to God to the church members in Thessalonica, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. We are to work and earn a living so as not to be dependent or a burden on others, to set an example for non-Christians. In Proverbs 21.20, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. There is no mention of excess in this verse. We are to be good stewards of the resources the Lord has provided us and prepare for lean times. In Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, as a father is talking to his son, Go to the Anno sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. There is a season when we can harvest, whether that's saving money, purchasing a house, um, and preparing for the future. Not doing so will leave you dependent on others. This passage assumes that you are fully capable of working, but unwilling to work. There are obviously exceptions um, for those Christians due to either physical or mental disabilities that are unable to work and must be dependent on others. In Luke 12, 16 through 21, God's word gives us another passage we can use for discernment in the parable of a rich man. The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. 
I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. There is no condemnation for this man for being rich. As believers, the Lord puts us in different jobs, neighborhoods, and financial situations for his purpose. And since his age is not stated, we can assume that that is not part of the lesson from this parable. He appeared to be on a yearly cycle of storing goods during the harvest. But in this year, he was blessed. And instead of sharing the abundance with others, he elected to put himself first and plan to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. In today's terms, he was seeking leisure and a pleasure-seeking lifestyle. The word lesson that comes to me reading this passage is a need for balance. Prepare for tomorrow and share your abundance, your gifts, and talents today, especially in times of plenty. There's nothing wrong with relaxing and taking vacations to enjoy God's creation and the beauty that he has surrounded us with. Personally, I find it much easier to connect with God when present and still in nature and the beauty of his creation. It is when the leisure activities, travel, and the luxuries that this world has to offer take over as your God that you depart from the plan he has for your life. I have an example of someone that lived out this message. I'm going to say he didn't do it perfectly, uh, but a lot of what he did was in line with preparing and then um, serving and giving. For the purpose of this sermon, I'm going to call him Ed. Ed was an individual that most people in America would consider wealthy if you looked at his bank accounts. He never lived a life of excess, and when he was still driving, it was a 12-year-old Jeep Wrangler. He lived in the same house for 35 years that he paid $52,000 for before moving to a slightly newer house just across the street. His passion was plants, nature, the outdoors in general, or God's creation. During his active years, he served on numerous boards with thousands of hours of volunteer work in his community while he was still working and then after his retirement. After his retirement, he actually became more active or put in more hours than he did each week um, in his previous employment. Whether it was the Rotary Club, Master Gardeners, the Dalian Society, the Camellia Society, Boy Scouts, Audubon, Georgia Botanical Society, and the Salvation Army, he served. When he was unable to actively serve in these organizations, he shifted to financial support to allow these organizations that he believed in to continue or improve operations. Whether it was his local church or a nonprofit that he felt aligned with his values and beliefs. His financial preparation during his working years allowed him to bless hundreds of organizations financially, including Reach Community Church. I want to read a few thoughts from Paul David Tripp's book, Do You Believe? Um, this is a book that the elders have been doing a study on and I believe applies to the message today. These thoughts are reference God as creator and our interaction with the rest of creation, that if we truly believe he is the ultimate creator. This means that the ultimate goal of our lives 
is not, is not working so that we will one day finally experience our definition of happiness. The goal isn't making sure everyone loves us. The purpose of your life is not material achievement, success, and affluence. The ultimate purpose is not acquiring power and control. It's not being fit or beautiful. It's not public acclaim. It's not finally loving yourself no matter what. The ultimate goal is not a happy marriage and responsible and successful children. No, if there is a creator, then it's not my place to choose how I want to invest my life or to decide what I want my purpose to be. As creator, God alone has the ability and the right to tell me how to live and what the driving purpose should be for everything in my life. He designed me in a certain way for a certain purpose. This means that making God's purpose for me the driving purpose of my life should be my most deepest motivation and my constant commitment, no matter who I am or where I live. I have a couple of closing comments uh, or questions and comments for you today. If the worship team can come back up. For those of you that are still in full-time employment, uh, knowing that both our mental and physical capabilities degrade over time, what are you doing to prepare for the season when you can no longer open the pickle jar or can't figure out how to use the new iPhone? Are you honoring your faith by serving now and at the same time preparing for the future? For those of you that have already moved on from full-time employment, are you taking this opportunity to serve in a way that you could never do when working full-time? Are you continuing to stay on guard for God's kingdom? Whether it's Mana Ministries, Trash Talkers, the Senior Center, or Reach Community Church, just to name a few places. Our actions in serving our community, our local body of Christ, and each other demonstrate the love of Christ to those that view us as a threat and allows us to engage in a way that opens a door for them to both see and hear the word of God. Regardless of where you are on this journey, pray for discernment on what the Lord is leading you into. What area of service has he prepared for you? One word of caution from my perspective and experience. If you feel led to something that doesn't seem the slightest bit uncomfortable or something you can easily do within your own power and abilities, you may want to reevaluate where that prompting is coming from. Is it you or is it truly the Holy Spirit? Yes, God has been preparing you for a specific area of service where your experience and skills will be of great use but it will most likely not feel comfortable without relying on his power to walk out that path. Please join me in prayer. Father God, we are dependent on your guidance. We need your discernment as we walk out the path for our lives. We can fool ourselves sometime into believing that we are walking a path that you set out for us when it's really our own desires and our own heart that is leading us in that direction. I pray, Father God, over everybody in this room that you give them discernment. Let them think about where they are. That There is nothing wrong with saving for retirement. You expect us to do that and be good stewards 
and put things away for lean times that are coming so that we can be dependent on no one other than you, Father. I just pray for discernment as people think about this message today and what they are and where they are working and living out things for your kingdom. I pray that you give them a clear path and clear discernment on what it is that you want them to do. It's in your holy name I pray. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.